welcome back to the Miles Driven with me, Miles. And Chief Logistical Officer, Sam. I think you've been Chief Logistical Officer. Oh, have I? Oh, do you know what? Sorry, I misplaced my job title. Head of Security. Head of Security. Okay, yeah, fair enough. You're not on that one, yeah. (laughs) Does that mean you're going to drive something security ish? Something. No, it just means I I can sit and ward off any potential invaders. Yes, yeah, because we've. um, the, The studio is once again having a rework. Basically, you wanted to sit on a side that's got more space because you're greedy and selfish. And I spend much more time in the studio well, than you do. Yeah, that's yeah. not my problem, though. Right. You don't steal someone's side of an office. <laughs> Sam walked into the studio today and was like, why are you there? <laughs> um, but no, this will help us when we try to do a little bit more video. Why? Before. What, that you being on that side won't help? Yeah, it will. No, it won't. Yeah, it will. Why? Because I'll have more space. That doesn't make any sense. <laughs> makes sense to me. Actually, I think this is my good side, actually, for the camera. So that's oh, all right. There we go. Yeah, that's not too all, bad. It was all for that, mate. I yeah. thought, oh, God, he, want, he looks so horrific in yes. the last video we did. <laughs> don't want Sam's bad side coming out on film, do we? <laughs> right. Uh, did you want to kick things off today, Sam? Well, talk about me plane. Yeah, go yeah. on. Welcome back to the Miles Aviation. <laughs> yes. Don't worry, everyone. There is, there is car stuff coming into Is it. there? Yeah. Well, I didn't sign up for that. Yeah, I've got to actually remember what it is, yeah. <laughs> right, Miles, have you heard of Hermius? As in the... Did I say no, not Hermes. Right. Hermius. <laughs> actually, do you know what? Before we start, I want to complain about Hermes. <laughs> good, good. That's a good. Is it about their vans and is it something technical about... No. No, brilliant. I got a notification on my ring doorbell yesterday okay. saying that there was motion at my door. So I yeah. looked at it and saw a van had stopped outside my house. So Please I, tell I, me I then another clicked... one of these had crashed into your car. No. <laughs> so I clicked on it, thinking because if it's outside my house, I'll just go on the live thing and watch. Okay. And it was a delivery driver. He's parked outside. He must have been there for three minutes, just sat with his foot hanging out the van. It goes in the back of the van, picks up our parcel, which t- which is actually, it was our cat food. But if okay. we look, cat orders it in bulk. As in my wife, cat, not the cat. Not, he doesn't yeah. do his own ordering. And um, she's not just ordering her food <laughs> in a bag. It's very confusing. But it's this big box, quite a large sort of, probably sit nearly a metre across box. Oh, right, okay. It, it says on yeah. it, fragile, says pets at home. You, yeah. you know it's going to be... So he literally walks up to my door, not realising, obviously, you can see there's a ring doorbell there. Yeah. Walks up to the door with it at chest height, so it's quite heavy. And I'm not exaggerating, I'll show you the video after this drops the box to the floor, oh, and then so... walks off. Yeah. <laughs> and then do you know what else he did? He went back to the van, picked up this sort of um, like envelope-shaped parcel, brought that to the door, opened the letterbox, half put that in the thing, then took his delivery picture that looked like he was uh, posting yeah. something, yeah. and then took that back to the van and went off. A, he's not posting <laughs> a box that's the size of a small fridge <laughs> through my letterbox. Well, maybe he's going to javelin it from the top window. <laughs> yeah, anyway, that was my whinge about Hermes. Moving on to Hermius. Have you heard of Hermius, Miles? Uh, I don't think so. Well, let me read you something yeah, about them. Maybe as you, maybe as you talk about They it. have engineered a jet engine. Well, it's not a jet engine. Oh, It's so an it, engine. Is this the double fan? No. Oh, right, okay. Carry on. So they have engineered an engine that can transition from a turbojet yep. to a ramjet okay. and back. Which, Miles, is a feat that could make commercial hypersonic flight a reality once again. Imagining Concord, Concord on steroids is what I've written down. Concord on steroids. On steroids. I mean, at the moment, they've only made an engine. Can they put it's this engine? It's not attached to anything at the moment. Can they put this engine in Concord? 
and get it flying again. I don't see why they couldn't. Because it's the Olympus I've seen engines. a picture of the of the engine. And yeah. they, you could mangle it on there. It might look slightly different. But Well, I mean, 747s look different when they put the Dash 8 um, yeah. bearing larger engines on And there. everyone's, everyone's Sorry, clicked guys, off. We'll, we'll, do a, we'll, do a, we'll do cars in just <laughs> so, a second. Look, I'll quickly run through a few specs for you, and then we can have a quick chat about it, and then we can move on to, to whatever yeah. you want to talk about. I'd be about. interested to know what they've actually... what the You'll like the name. The name of the engine, because engines have names now, yeah. obviously. It's called Chimera. Oh, yeah. Like the TVR. Is it spelt the same? Uh, C-H-I-M-E-R-A. Yeah, I think that is spelt yeah. the same. Interesting. So it's Interesting. a tur- it's a turbine-based combined cycle engine. Are they are they a British company? Yes. Oh, okay. Okay. Makes a little bit more sense. Maybe they're in Blackpool. Maybe. Um, it's a hybrid between a turbojet and a ramjet. Okay. So you, obviously you know how you know how a turbojet fan yeah. engine would work. Yeah. Do you yeah. know how a ramjet engine works? You know why it's called a ramjet? Uh, ram yeah, genuinely, yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, it basically, it means it's got the ability to take off on a normal runway, but then accelerate to high max speeds between three and five. Yeah, isn't what a isn't ramjets what a lot of maybe older? Oh, actually, let's not go too technical. On this. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, the design, build, and test phase took only twenty-one months. That seems shockingly quick. Okay, for only. No, I say I only. mean Toyota take like exactly make an a headlight. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm going to say I say only with a little caveat of this is obviously designing a whole engine from scratch. Right. How much do you reckon it costs them? So 21 months to design, build, and test successfully. Did they say if they're using some sort of advanced like pad or? I'll give you that 15 percent of it is 3D printed, which is why it's sped it okay. up quite a lot. Um, I'm still going to say it's 200 million. 18 million. That's, that's outrageously cheap. Yeah. <laughs> this is mad, isn't it? That's to build, that's to design and build yeah. the engine. So, I think they sell engines for less than that. Oh, no. Do you reckon? Uh, I don't know. No, sorry, I think they sell engines, sorry, for more than yeah, that. Like, yeah. Like if you walked into GE and said, oh, I am. Um, Re-engineering up one of my Boeings. Yeah, I'd like to buy an engine. They they wouldn't give you it for less than that. That seems um, if that's I mean if that has legs and it goes places. Well, not if it has real legs, but if that actually does have. <laughs> well, it it would just it would pave the way for us to get back to some sort of I suppose this hypersonic is commercial bringing, flight. Bringing it to cars a little bit. This is a little bit like the question though of we have now capabilities to make cars faster than the Bugatti Chiron. Mm-hmm. Ah, good. My favourite car. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, you know, the new um, Rimac, Nevera, is sort of proving how... Basically, the the only thing that's now restricting speed of cars is Our just... roads. Yeah. <laughs> and it, the planet that we live on. <laughs> but, I mean, roads are the main thing because, you know, on a, around a track, you can do a set... Like, when you go to a drag yeah. strip, they have the, the surface that you sort of do a burnout on a surface that's got um sticky glue effectively yeah. and then you're on a prepped surface you'll get a different time racing on that than you will on a runway that's not been used for 10 years and you'll get a different time on a road that's been closed you know for the surface and the tire yeah because that and then because if you once you remove the gearbox element to you know you're you're basically spinning a lot of things to get wheels spinning yeah but, yeah when it's just an electric motor that spins off the power of a battery, you're then just down to the friction of the surface and the, what's contacting it. And so I start to wonder whether 
at that point, a bit like with cars, they sort of go, well, we can make the motor faster. I mean, top fuel dragsters mm-hmm. do a quarter mile in a you know, handful of seconds, but they're not getting into production anytime soon. No. And I just wonder with this, if this is a little bit like a top fuel dragster where they say, we've got the engine, but you need sort of Boeing, Airbus, um, Bombardier, um, Umbrella, uh, can't remember the Chinese manufacturer, but they yeah. make, but like Mitsubishi also mm-hmm. make planes. You need a, someone to make an airframe for it. Yeah, and it's that can support be... going twice the speed of Concorde. Yes, which <laughs> that's probably actually where all the costs would lay. Going back to cars, we can move on from that now and go, because that was my little segment. I yeah. could talk about it more, but I don't think people are going to be overly interested I necessarily. Mean, people, but from the feedback we get, people do quite like some of your plane conversations. But you, you mentioned there about how they can make cars now that are faster than the Chiron and they can, we're getting towards, I mean, I think we talked about the Koenigsegg the other day and the top speed yes. of it. We were both surprised because it was over 300 miles an hour or something, yeah. wasn't it? Is there, I'll ask you a question and then we can, it's going to be a shocking question for a motoring podcast. <laughs> is there any point? Yeah, I, I think I think that question is probably a. It's probably a hot topic at the moment for cars in general, and so we'll we'll, we'll delve yeah. into it a little bit more in a minute. And second, it's it's probably that question between the consumer and the engineer, because you as a consumer, if I say, for example, if you were going to go car shopping tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, um, if you wait a year, they'll have a, you'll be able to buy this hatchback that can do 0 to 60 in 1.5 seconds. You'd probably be like, well, why? Yeah. Like, but, but as in your enjoyment factor of doing it once is great. It's like saying, let's yeah, go in a per- like said, in a perfect park. environment. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, but people like to go for a, a thrill roller coaster yeah. for an hour. People also like. To enjoy a vehicle in a, so many, um, so many different aspects of a vehicle. Some people like pickup trucks, not because they are fast. No. <laughs> Some people like vintage cars, not because they are fast. Some people like tuned up minis, and in reality, comparing them off to some of the stuff that's on the road. It's not because they're fast; they feel fast. Yeah, I would say. But... Does Does anyone enjoy any of the cars they buy like these? Chirons and stuff like this because they're fast. Who's using them? Who's mm. going over 200 mile an hour? Not well, on the closed Audi VW test track where it's got the longest straight. And this is probably the problem when you look at then um, what do what does your average Bugatti Chiron Koenigsegg um, maybe Pagani get away with it a little bit differently because it's more about the style of the car and everything else. But those yeah. two sort of if we just pick out those two first. What does the buyer of those cars want? Are they looking for something they can enjoy on a weekly basis? Probably not. Well, it's ultimate top trumps, isn't it? Yeah, it's just... It's, it's literally, you can go to a restaurant and be... It's not even you go to the pub anymore and say, yeah, well, my car can do this. You go to a restaurant and just be seen getting out of this car and it gets put in OK magazine and then mm. you're like the, the hot topic because everybody wants to be in the cover of a magazine. Which is reminds me of... Um, you remember the Tesla Model X? They still make the Tesla Model X, so... I'm sure yep, I remember it. Yeah. Um, but that had that thing where, you know, the doors can dance and it can do a concerto. Yeah, the party mode thing. Yeah, which I, I hope that's not where cars go. Because it used to be, for example, if you saw someone in um, something a little bit special, you know, them revving the engine would be 
them showing off the car. Yeah. Yeah, that would be a show off, you know, revving their engine on a high street or wherever else. If you're moving to an, to a future without that engine, you're still going to, you know, you don't, the people who want attention still exist. They're all just going to be in car parks flapping their doors around flapping and their flashing their around. lights. Yeah. <laughs> um, on that bigger question, though, of, you know, why, what's the point? I think. Because I can caveat that with my response to that would be i don't think there is any point making a car that goes that fast because there is no need are we not better putting that technology into making something that is more efficient and cost people less to run i'm not necessarily saying greener for the environment mm. but something that makes it cheaper for the consumer to run so you don't have to spend as much on fuel you don't have to spend as much on repair bills i suppose etc etc there's the trickle down that used to apply so it used to be that um you'd have a Let's just pick your Ferrari Lamborghini and they've got 350 horsepower. Yeah. Okay. And they weren't very fuel efficient. Which is like nothing now. No, it's now like what you can get out of a Golf R. Yeah. Or, yeah. You know, um, uh, to be fair, quite a lot of actual hatchbacks, the new Honda Civic type. Well, I'll say you, you get 200 out of a, um, a Corolla hybrid. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, it just shows where this is. Um, at that time, the whole idea with that is, is there will be a trickle down effect of if we can make it function in that car, because the owner of that, you know, exotic vehicle, unless they live in, say, Miami or maybe if they live in Sydney or some, you know, some really warm climate where you get to drive a supercar every every day and you're not so populated or, or these places have become much more heavily populated in the last couple of decades. But when they were out in the 80s, yeah, with 300, and people were like, 320 horsepower, this is unbelievable. Well, they were in, the only people that actually drove them regularly lived in cities that were warm and probably not that populated compared to today. Yeah. And so the whole idea of the trickle-down was these people are almost like test beds. Mm -hmm. They want to show off. They also are willing to spend hundreds of thousands to have this car now let's see what we can do with a ford sierra and a turbocharger yeah. you know or something along those lines and that then your average man in the street would get 170 horsepower from his and that would be blistering yeah um i think that's kind of finished because the race to efficiency from trickle down like I think you make a good point, Sam. The whole the whole argument would have been previously, why do you need a Nevera, for example? Uh, and people would say, well, you use that 2,000 horsepower machine yeah. as a test bed. But what then you'll, you know, th th it'll work. But what you're really doing is understanding how to really make the 500 horsepower regular. I'm putting that in the air quotes yeah. version. Yeah. Um, that you can sell to a, a higher number of people yeah and so you're you but it doesn't really apply because i don't know many people that are demanding 500 horsepower and you know uh, either a particular miles per gallon or range it's never been you know no. <laughs> i remember when i was um in the car trade and the, the m5 came out the uh, five liter v10 mm -hmm. and it had 503 horsepower if you press the button otherwise it had 400 yeah now, the only people buying them were people that wanted to sort of show, I've got the top trumps of... Yeah, and you could use that 
a little bit on the dual carriageway. Maybe yeah, yeah. you wouldn't. I mean, we're not talking top speeds, but you no, don't but... need Chiron type speeds on a dual carriageway, do you? And, and Even the, the acceleration it provides, you don't need. No, you don't. And it's mean, not safe well, to you use. Can't, you can't. The problem is, even if you are willing to go at a legal speed, you simply can't because... Well, you've still got Doris much. in her Nissan Note that might pull out into the outside <laughs> exactly, lanes. Yeah. Uh, but to give the example with that fight, yeah, the, the uh, M5, I think three of the sort of higher managers at the place I work got M5s because they, they were, there was a BMW within the, the catchment of dealers. Yeah, well, they're, so they they're still cool cars. So they could have as many M5s, you know, every, all of them could have picked M5s, but three of them picked M5s. The rest all picked BMW 535 diesels. Right, okay. Because at the time, that was the middle ground of M5's great, but they didn't, even they, working in the car trade, loving cars, whatever else, didn't have a necessity for a high-revving V10, yeah. 500 horsepower machine. But offer them, you know, 270 with a good bit of torque and you know a good looking vehicle and that was the choice they made of course it's tax and everything else that goes with that and fuel economy and blah 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 yeah but i think the problem is the, re the reason bmw would make the m5 is they were like well that's our as best we can do and then there's what we will sell mm -hmm. just below it and if we take elements of the M5 and put them in those cars that we know people really want, we don't want to give everything away of the M5. No, because that's for the M5. Yeah, buyer. you need to keep some exclusivity. But we can give them little bits of this element and that element, and you know, that's what they would sell. I don't really see that that's happening anymore. If you look at, the well, it's not like Bugatti sell a, a mid-range hatchback is it <laughs> no and it's not like um rimac who now own them are trying to go into that market lucid is probably the best example and tesla as well where they're they're sort of offering outrageous acceleration whilst also trying to attract a, a middle market yeah but they're not doing it at the cost point that most people are are working no. in you know to get a nice spec model three i know they've just reduced the prices because there's a lot of well, there's there's a million different reasons, um, but Lucid have put their prices. Well, they've kind of okay, so they've 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 dropped the specification of the vehicle, and then with inflation, put the prices up. So, in some ways, their prices are going up, and the actual spec of what you get is going down slightly. Right. Okay. Um, but that's to try and sort of appeal to the broadest possible market. They can't do anything about inflation. So, mm -hmm. Um. The, the trouble you have is is that you're both going for a buyer and saying, well, we're looking to sell to people who have a hundred grand to spend on a saloon with naught to sixty figures that their the occupants in their vehicle will not enjoy. Well that that's exactly it. If you're doing naught to sixty in one point five seconds, mm. it's not enjoyable. You've been shot out of a cannon. <laughs> yes, you are, yeah. Which, like you said, really cool to experience once when you're wearing a helmet, you're in a harness. Yeah, yeah. But when you're, I don't know, going to a restaurant for dinner and someone goes, watch this, and you accelerate from naught, well, it'd be naught to 100 in two seconds. Yeah. Is, is that enjoyable? I think... On the A road from your house to town? <laughs> <laughs> I think oh, no, hang the... on. There's a junction down the road. Someone's pulled out to the outside. Oh, we're all dead. Do you think this is the issue with us reducing cars to a single data point? Because cars used to be, well, and they still are to a lot of people, 
there's lots of things about them that are interesting. But what's yeah. more, you know, more, more commonly, what we hear now is, have you heard how fast it goes from this to this? Yeah, I'd, like, I'd rather go back to the max power days. Well, you just like modified your power. You, you can take you stuff. can take the the ladies out of the magazine to appease everyone. Why? Well, <laughs> no, yeah. I'm completely but against there, this now. <laughs> there will be some people that obviously would say, "Well, it's sexualizing people beyond necessity," and and that's fine. Bring, and it's not but like bring back it. Max Power and all those magazines that we used to have, where people were just modifying cars, and you'd get a Peugeot two hundred six. Yeah, and you'd put some side skirts on it and a bumper and. You'd get pulled over by the police if you didn't do it right, but you'd do it right, and you'd change you'd your wing sub, mirrors and make some you'd stuff. Have some new seats. You probably have a, You'd have an air filter, yeah, upgrade and an exhaust, and that would be all your performance. Then that was interesting. You'd paint your brake calipers, yeah. And it wasn't about going naught to sixty in speeds that will tear your face off. It was what? about oh, look what I've done to make my car look different to everybody else that owns this car. Yeah, not See, oh, I've got a Bugatti and mine's got a special number. On the bottom of it, you can't see it, oh, yeah. but it's on the bottom of it, and it makes it a I don't know a dragonfly edition, and it's now six million dollars, and I have to, I can't actually drive it on the road. They bring it to my house and rent it to me. But I mean, there are car manufacturers that do that. Yeah. I think I think all the it's top just ones are insane. Guilty of yeah, <laughs> I think I was actually hoping that with this movement that we've got going on, which is for cars to become, um, that they're trying to answer more problems mm-hmm. by actively driving themselves in some way what i was hoping you would get is more people saying well if you're going to make the car that dull i'm going to take it away you know i'm going to buy it and i'm going to take it to someone who will put the interesting stuff back in yeah i.e like you know when people were buying um in the uk it was very popular to buy a Vauxhall corsa or a citroen saxo or Peugeot, something like that yeah People were putting Lamborghini doors on these cars. Oh, yeah. Well, the Max Power days. <laughs> they were, and they you'd were... get fiberglass boots where you'd put a, like a speaker system in the boot. Yeah. Now, yep. see, in my old age, I'd be annoyed if someone was listening to that at high volume in my street. <laughs> <laughs> but I... still, I, I, it'd be cool to look at. It would. And, and you know, I remember being... I'm uh... happy to ban the exhaust. <laughs> I'm sure. not a fan of unnecessary... <laughs> well, unnecessarily loud exhaust. I don't see the point in them. I think you're... You have a point. I think the problem is it's... It's like that classic question of what's unnecessary noisy, what's acceptable for one thing. And well, the problem is that you and I as an enthusiast will go, well, look, we haven't got a problem with someone's V8 rumbling along because no. that's a V8. Yeah. But when you're putting eight exhausts at the back of your four-cylinder one-point whatever well, engine. A question to the listeners, because there'll be some people out there that have modified a car. Well, we don't judge anyone for the way they modify the cars, but the question I would ask Actively, is... Actively, like... Pro, yeah. Go and do if stuff you've got, car. I'm going to take an example of a VW Polo on a round of 15 plate. Yeah. And you've got an exhaust that, when you're driving along at cruising speed, is just going. <laughs> is that enjoyable for you as a driver? I do, think... do you get annoyed with the fact that you're having to burst your <laughs> eardrums to listen to your own music and you can flat out not listen to this podcast because you can't hear us talking because your exhaust is just constantly just a dull drone in the background? You know, the problem is that they're probably, what they actually have is bang, 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 pop, pop, bang. That's yeah. their noise. That's the well, noise yeah, that, that's yeah. when they've accelerated and they're then slowing down to cruising. Yeah, so they're doing 15, now they're doing 18, now they're doing 15 again. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and so it sounds like several people have been shot out of the back yeah. of the car. But do, do those people even enjoy it? Is it a nice... I've, n- I've never actually been in a car that has that sort of exhaust. Con- do you know what? Tell a lie I have once and it wasn't enjoyable. <laughs> it was a, when I lived uh, in Southampton 
and I had my friend had a 1.2 litre Corsa. Okay. And he'd put an exhaust on the back of it. Yeah. And it was just annoying. You couldn't go anywhere late at night. Yeah. Well, you'd have to you'd have to position your car to face the right way when you started it up. Yeah, so you didn't annoy. I mean, this is the problem. But you, you're talking about people that wanted to modify their car, but also care about the society they live in. I think that's yeah. The, if that's we could find a, a what I want is to live in a dream world. Yeah, well, <laughs> I mean, some people are considerate. There was a I was um we were looking after a friend's dog the other day, and we walked in quite late mm-hmm. to you know give it the sort of last run out chance because we're in an apartment to take it for a pee. This car came past. It was a BMW M140i that quite clearly had one of those sort of pop bang tunes. But he was doing 22 miles an hour and he was in like fifth gear and he was just crawling around to get away from, you know, he'd started his car wherever. Yeah. And I actually didn't notice only as he accelerated off a roundabout and you could hear his the car wanted to start going pop, pop, pop. Yeah. But it didn't because he was being very... And I thought, well... He's decided he wants to make that noise with his car, but he's at least had the consideration to think it's half ten. Yeah. I'm in a residential area. You've got to find a balance. You do. You do have to find a balance. But going back to the the thing, I think the the problem is cars used to have a lot of different data points. For example, when it was the max power days. Mm -hmm. So you bought a car. The first thing you needed to do was rip the stereo out. Because the stereo... Yeah, but because most likely you had a tape deck. Mm-hmm. So you need, like, as in, it wasn't a, I should upgrade that. It was, I don't have any way There's to There's no play. capacity of listening <laughs> yes. to my own music here. <laughs> so either because you had CDs or you were really hip and you had a, what was it, like a mini disc player. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know. Could but, you get those in cars at any point? Yeah. Could you? Yeah, yeah. When I went to upgrade the, huh. uh, I got a little TV screen in yeah. the head unit of my Corsa when yeah, I was 18. Yeah, so in the Corsa, yeah. But um, the guy, when I was buying it, he was like, do you want a mini-disc player? Because we've got another one. It doesn't have the screen. Did you ever own any mini-discs? No. No. No, which is why I said... My stepdad did, no. but that was it. <laughs> yeah. I was like, no, it's fine, mate. As long as it's got an aux in, then yeah. I don't care. <laughs> well, you see, that was the days when phones were starting to become available and iPods and stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What did you do before? CDs. Get a vinyl player in the back seat. <laughs> <laughs> Take that. Plug that in. Yeah. People would I wonder had. if anyone's ever installed a vinyl player in a car. Oh, like you know, yeah, on like a on like them. a pimp my ride sort of thing. They'd like install a vinyl in the boot, and you could put it on before you start driving. I'm thinking, oh, actually, I'm. You go from Radio Two to the vinyl. I'm actually not sure manufacturers would ever put them in because the needle would skip. Oh yeah, it'd it'd be, yeah, it'd have to be on some sort of self-leveling hydraulic. Rams in the back of the That's car. a challenge for you, Carter. Yeah. For, for you, son. In, in, install a record player. A manu- Do you know who would have done that? Do I don't think... I, I I would flat out say 100% right. the manufacturer's never done Do it. Do you know who would have done that? Saab. Saab yes. would have had one of their crazy moments. Or Peugeot. Yeah, Peugeot's just... suspension is legendary. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Citroen. Citroen. Yeah. Sorry, Citroen's suspension. Yeah, yeah. It, was one of the, it was one of those companies. That, yeah. that they had a meeting one day. And well, thought, there's a miles-driven challenge. Buy that Citroen. Yes. And we'll see if we can Let's play see, a record a player in the back. Uh, sorry, not a minius, yeah, a record player. But yeah, no, so you you had to do your, your audio upgrade. Okay. And After potentially your speakers. Mainly. Yeah, as, as, um, yeah. Let's say a full audio upgrade. So mm-hmm. either you just did your head unit because that's what you could afford, or you did your door speakers as well, or you put a sub in as well. You know, so yeah. depending on what your budget was. From there, what people wanted to do was then personalise. So it would be generally sort of wheels next. Some yeah. people would do other bits first, but 
wheels would generally be the next step. And the thing was, it was the idea of, well, that person over there has got, you know, that set of wheels. I want something different because they've got a black car and I've got a blue car. So I want mine to be a blue one that's got, you know, at the time that people weren't really doing different color wheels. So no, really you potentially have a lip. Yeah, it could have a lip, could have something. But now, I don't know whether this is, um, I don't know whether this is just car companies have done this, whether it's the consumer does this. People generally don't, like, they, they actively buy a specification that doesn't stand there. Yeah, will everybody have a white car with black wheels? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But I mean, that's that white, grey, black with maybe the black, like those three colours and then with a black or silver set of wheels. Here's a question for you. Now we're, we're going on a, a different tangent on this podcast now. Mm. What was the best upgrade you could do to a car when we were younger that wasn't legal that everybody wanted to do? There uh, is a correct answer. Underglow? Ah, well done, you got it straight away. <laughs> But it was because underglow's slightly come back in like um like the drifting car drifting scene. yeah uh, and you now get it inside the car yeah this is the mad <laughs> this thing, ambient lighting that you so get you can't have, like legally you can't have I think in the UK there was actually a workaround you can't have the front and rear lit up in any colours but you can have the side lit up as long as you're not lighting up the road blue okay because it could be confused with the yeah place. so. That was the, and then I think the US had a different set of laws. Uh, France had a law that if you modified your car in any way, it got crushed immediately. It's <laughs> <laughs> not surprising. Uh, Germany had these sort of very funny laws where it's like you can modify your car, but it has to go to an approval center, and that approval center says that it has to be within one point five millimeters of this exact jacking point area. And so, modifying was a lot more done with, like technically done with a ruler. <laughs> yeah. There. Whereas here it was kind of. I, I like that about the like car modifying is in the British spirit for me because mm. it's the idea of someone's built something, someone has bought that thing, driven it to their shed, and tried to improve it. Yeah. And anyone who says, "Oh, that's a silly idea," because the engineers, blah blah, well, the engineers are hamstrung by budgets and marketing, yeah. and advertising and everything else. So it's in the British spirit to go, okay. I have bought the standard thing, and it's actually in the car spirit, because if you go all the way back, you used to buy a chassis, yeah. and then take it to a coach builder, who would then build you a body. Yeah. So it's quite a normal thing for you to say, right, well, I know I've got to have the standard running gear, because it's, especially today, it's got to all be you know, legalised and everything else to say it's the right emissions and blah, 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 blah. But past that, as long as you're not trying to put spikes on the front of your car yeah <laughs> mad max style yeah some ridiculous thing that's just going to hurt people you do wonder if we we shouldn't really be pushing because the manufacturers jumped on this people modified their cars so much that manufacturers started to go huh if we just offer upgrades of bigger wheels and you know different paint colors and blah 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 we can actually get more money ourselves yeah, and deliver the car, and people will be happier because it comes warranted and everything else. I saw a crazy story from America um, this week. Some I can't remember what the car was, but some bloke was driving in his car in America. A young kid, probably, well, I'll say young kid, he's probably mid twenties, um, and he got pulled over. Okay. And the policeman's come up to the window and he said, "Your car was making way too much noise there." And he's like, "Oh, uh, yeah." He's like, "Is this is this standard?" He said, "Yeah, yeah. It's just in. I've got it. It's in track mode." 
And oh, the, I've heard about this. And the policeman was like, well, you can't legally drive in track mode on the on the road. Yeah. And he was like, oh, okay. I genuinely didn't know that. He said, no, that would have been explained to you at the dealership. And the kid was like, oh, it wasn't, it gen- genuinely wasn't explained. And he sounded genuine. It wasn't like a sort of, like, oh, I'll yeah, put yeah. this video up to have a go at the police. It was a, I genuinely didn't know that. Like, sorry. Like, and, obviously, and also, I'll turn it into normal. And to normal. our listeners, just for international, um, that is, is pretty incorrect in most areas. Oh, really? Just, just to be just, oh, okay. the only place that that really does apply, um, Ford had a drift mode on the previous RF. Right. Okay. And in Australia, there was a rule that said you cannot put the car into drift mode when it's not on the track. Well, that's fair. <laughs> <laughs> but in the UK, we didn't have that because we just say, if you've got driving mode, just you're, you're like, we were sensible in the way we say, your job as a driver is to drive with due care and attention. Yeah. Whatever your car allows you to do, you make the decision of, is that driving with due care and yeah, attention? Exactly. Putting yeah. it in drift mode and trying to go around and roundabout <laughs> probably isn't. Yeah. But, you know, we're putting it to the person to make sure. Anyway, so I carry on with the story because I've yeah. heard this story. So the police officer says, well, you, you can't do that as a legal. And the guy's like, oh, well, I'm really sorry. I didn't know that. Um, Obviously, I, I won't do it again. He's like, well, that's fine. I'm going to give you a citation, as they call it. And he said, and what you have to do is you have to take this back to, I'm going to use the example of, let's say, Nissan. I don't think it was Nissan. It was but... Hyundai. Okay, Hyundai. It oh, was okay. an i30M. Yeah. Oh, was it? Yeah. Okay, so, right, so you have to take this back to the manufacturer now. Um, and then you have to get this removed. Oh, it's, oh, you have to go to court first. You go to court. You get reported to court. Then you go to court, and yeah. the court will send you back to Hyundai. And then you, or sorry, Hyundai, as they like to be called, as their mm. massive marketing campaign they've got out yeah, there. Yeah, bizarre. Um, you have to go back to Hyundai, and they will have to remove this function from your car at your expense. Yeah. So you have to take Hyundai's car back to Hyundai and say, you know this car that I bought that comes with a track mode? That you are selling legally in this country yeah. and And it's bu- passed to. all the laws to yeah. sell in this country because obviously you ha- I need you, the, the, this court man has told me <laughs> that I have to come here and you've got to remove that at my expense. And they're, they're going to go to you, well, we don't want to do that. I know, but I've been told I've got to do it. Okay, well, it's going to cost you. Now sit down because I don't know if you remember how much it was. $6,000. And the, but the thing that struck me was the police officer was so happy to explain this to this chap. Oh, like he was practically dancing with glee on the video, going, "And it's going to cost you about six thousand dollars." Yeah. And I was like, "Right, why? The kids obviously made a mistake. You're obviously enforcing something that's not true." But from what you've said, uh, yeah. So just to clarify, because he got sent um, to the, the so he sent to the dealer. But after that, he had to go to like a, in the UK, it would be equivalent of an MOT test. Even though his car wasn't of an age that needed a test, he had to get it removed, then go to a test centre, prove it was removed. This right. would be similar to the TUV testing, TUV testing in Germany. If you're listening in Germany and you have, you modify the car, you have to use a TUV part, TUV stamp. Let's say you put wheels on. It okay. has to be TUV approved. Then you go to a TUV centre. And you say, I've put wheels on my car and they check for the stamps and then they say, this car now has these wheels that are approved. Right. And okay. that's what the car now is. Uh, in Australia, this is called re-engineering. So you want to modify your car, you do something to the car, then you have to take it to essentially, I'm, I'm doing the closest equivalent I can. We do have the DVSA testing in the UK, but there's a uh, MOT tester. Yeah. You would take it to them and it's like, you're not having a full MOT test. You're just looking at one part and they're checking to make sure that part is within what would be legal and blah, blah, blah. 
and then they give you a like a stamp or something to say this car now has this modification which is acceptable yeah and if you get pulled over and they say well we see you've got this this and this show us the logbook sort of thing and you would say yeah look it's got these approved modifications now what happened was hyundai have and this is the stamp not hyundai miles Right, I'm going to come back. I'm going to come into it. Can you remember this car name thing in a minute? Yeah, so I'm going to come back to it. <laughs> yeah, because I'll keep correcting you as you go along. They, they got their they when they sell the car, they sell the car with different modes. It has an eco mode, mm-hmm. a regular mode, a track mode. The word track is just in place of sport. Sport, yeah, like yeah. it's just these are the different modes available to you. It doesn't make it suddenly grow it a V8 engine. Yeah, and, and have, remove the rear seats, put a roll cage in. And <laughs> exactly. So. When he went to the test centre, what they should have done was put it into standard mode. Like the how the so basically, however the car starts yeah. each morning. Uh, if there was um, anyone who's had any experience at all with the GR Yaris in the UK, will know mm-hmm. this is that to get the best of the car, when you start the car, you best basically have to press three buttons. Okay. Because that puts it into its GR mode. So you have to press like a GR button, then traction control in like secondary step mode and blah 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 and that would put it into what's good to drive but not dangerous to drive okay because if obviously you could turn the traction almost fully off but yeah it, it's sort of like a second stage but when you then turn the engine off the car defaults back to the standard setting so you get in you have to press those three buttons again mm-hmm. now the reason it does that is because when they pass it for you know emissions and safety testing and everything else they have to pass it in a main single yeah. mode. Yeah, like a standard mode. Like if a you standard like. mode. And it's whatever the car reverts back to. If the car holds any of these modes, then that's considered the new standard. Right, okay. So that's why the manufacturers... and People complain about it, but actually it's like the manufacturers well, I think that's good. back uh, into would, a yeah. corner. You know, It's like, you know, if you, you might drive home and think, oh, I put my car in... Your car's got a sport mode, actually. Yeah. So you might press that on your way home because you want to have a drive down a country lane. When you get in your car tomorrow morning and you want to drive to work, the car's going to default to its standard mode. Yeah, exactly. Unless you press the button again. Mm-hmm. Now, the tester decided, quite wrongfully, that because he'd been pulled over in the track mode to do the test in the track mode. Right. Which then it breached, I don't know, it was emissions or noise or something. But that's not the standard mode that the car's offered yeah. for sale in. So the whole thing was like a just the... A PR is a PR nightmare for Hyundai. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, so they had to rebrand. <laughs> yes, they had to completely rebrand off of it. Uh, it's it's a mess if you ask me. Anyone doing that, like if someone has clearly modified their car to be unsafe, pull them over, ticket. That's clearly when it's a stock standard from dealer car. Yeah. And if you don't know the difference, then you can't really like if if you're the police officer in that or the person who's applying the law. And you don't understand the differences, I would suggest you can't make you can't pull someone over. You don't have no. unlimited power. You know no, what of I mean? course it's you don't. Like, if you understand what's happened, and this was a trick that happened in the UK a lot when the DVSA would do random testing. And the, the reason they do it is to make sure that someone's not using red diesel, for example, which I think actually is gone now. Uh, is diesel gone? Or is it just you, harder to get hold of? Or something? Yeah, it's a lot harder to get hold of. I think there's certain exceptions. That you can use it. Yeah. We can still use it at work for certain things. Right. But, but to make sure you're not just running it in your car, yeah. the DVSA just do random stops. Every couple of months, they'll just pick a road, 
and they'll you know if you've got a diesel they'll dip the tank make sure it's not red diesel if you've got a load of modifications for example the car is slammed on the floor <laughs> yeah. then and the wheels are facing out at 45 degrees yeah. which some people are then they'll get a jack and they'll have a look and they'll see oh you've removed all the uh, emissions equipment you you're running a camber that's unsafe on your wheels mm -hmm. and they'll say look this is outside of safety so the car's no longer road legal yeah you pay road tax to be legal on the road but you have to fit within the specifications of the law so that is a completely different thing to going out and actively trying to find someone who is just enjoying their day i heard something similar in australia and i might have said it on the podcast but a guy got pulled over and it was the re-engineering thing he bought yeah. a nine was it a nine i think it was a 991 gt so the previous generation gt3 big wing on the back of it you know, loads of louvres and stuff on the bonnet, loads of vents everywhere. Pulled over within a few days. Police officer says, uh, you need to prove that this car's, you know, like, this isn't legal, this isn't legal. And he's like, I just bought it from Porsche. Like <laughs> this. Like, like this is how I've bought it. And uh, they basically sent him off to re-engineering. And re-engineering was like, what's changed? He's like, nothing. <laughs> and Porsche had to get involved and be like no that's how we sell the car that's how you approved it so sometimes you have to think look maybe I don't know everything as being the person that pulls the person over and to end the podcast I don't like car I don't like anyone if you're from a company and you are selling into another country you I don't like this thing of well you need to pronounce it how we pronounce it no Mars, no, because I if don't you have go your accent if you go to your <laughs> And say, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. take me to <laughs> take me to Hyundai. Well, because no, if you say it and someone's listening to it and they have one, oh, right. it'll activate the A L E X A. Will it? Yeah. So oh. don't start. <laughs> <laughs> like if you were listening to it through the speaker, yeah, and then I said that, it will hear it in the room, and sometimes it will dim our podcast and ask them what they want. So, but anyway, if you have it, if you ask your smart speaker or your Siri or whatever else. Um, and say, take me to Hyundai. They'll take you, as you've seen in the adverts, Miles, it'll take you to High and Dry, the barber shop, or mm. High and Dye, the place that sells paint. So, so you have to pronounce it Hyundai. Otherwise, you'd never find it. If you walk into Hyundai and say to them, I'd like to buy your cars, I'd like this Hyundai i30N. They'd be like, sorry, I don't know what that is. Yeah, and I know. <laughs> See, the thing, do you know what I was just thinking as you said that at the end? It's I, dumb. It's <laughs> dumb, because I just thought, so that's like Jaguar. Yeah. who are pronounced Jaguar, mm -hmm. going over to the US, yeah. where they sell lots of cars, and yeah. it's actually one of their largest markets in the world, and saying, we would like to annoy all the people that might buy a Jaguar and say, you're saying Jaguar, because yeah. that's how you say the word. Yeah. You are wrong. Yeah. <laughs> and it, what we'll give you is a live animal. <laughs> yes. It's like... Anyway, um, next week, we're going to be doing uh, a story about well, it was a story. So when I came back from, um, are you telling the story now? No, no, I'm just going <laughs> to set it up. Which is when I came back from Denmark, I got to speak to a few taxi drivers who drive electric vehicles, and it was just interesting to get their insight in them. Okay. And uh, so we're going to do a little bit of that, and whether it'll be a little bit of a continuation from our earlier conversation about have we made e like have EVs made cars a little bit boring? Yes, because. <laughs> Because I, I want to do the story. Do you remember the story, Sam? And I will tease listeners. 
when we were trying to get balloons into a car and then someone came and ruined it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I'm going to tell that story because I think that's what EVs are. But yeah, anyway, yeah. Thanks for listening, everyone. And we will, uh, well, we'll catch you in the next one. Take care.